We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Second Peter chapter 1, we're talking about being positioned by God to receive everything that God has for you and me. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Listen to this, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Let me stop there. There's a lot of folks who say, I just can't live the Christian life. I just can't make it all work. It doesn't compute for me. That's because you don't understand you've been positioned already to receive everything you need for life and godliness. By the power of God, through the Holy Spirit, He has infused that seed into your heart and into your life. And all you need to do is water it with the Word. Let the Holy Ghost bring some presence into your life. And you will see that divine nature begin happening in you. It's an amazing thing. Verse 4 says, By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Not little bitty promises. Not hokey promises, not promises like my five-year-old used to make to me, but great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You may be seated. Talking about being positioned. Reminds me of the Sunday school teacher who was teaching the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and how that Lot was taken out of the city to safety. And in their escape, Lot's wife looked back. And when she looked back, she turned into a pillar of salt. One little boy said, you know what? One day my mama was driving and she looked back and she turned into a telephone pole. (laughs) It's all about position, folks. Understanding where we're at in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5, I think, down through verses 11. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he chose to humble himself and became a man. And not just a man, but a man who endured the shame, the humiliation, the pain of the cross of Calvary. He said, let this mind be in you. You see, when we start talking about being positioned, we first and foremost have to understand there comes a change in our mind, a change in our thinking. When our thinking changes, then our actions, our attitudes, our behaviors begin to follow. You'll remember two weeks ago, we talked about Lazarus, excuse me, not Lazarus, Zacchaeus. And in Luke chapter 19, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus as he came into Jericho. And the Bible says he climbed up a tree to see him. He changed his position in order to change his behavior and his condition. And the Bible says that Jesus saw him and said, come on, we're going to go to your house for dinner tonight. All the Pharisees were appalled because they knew this man was a rank sinner. No way should Jesus be hanging out with him. That's a lesson for some of you in this room this morning. You need to rub shoulders with some sinners so that Jesus in you can rub off on them. If you don't rub shoulders with sinners, you're never going to see the Jesus in you affect anyone else in your life. 
Now, I'm not telling you to go to the bars and get drunk. I'm telling you, you need to befriend some folks who don't know him as Lord and Savior and influence their life with the positive life and power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're not doing that, are you really being a witness? I mean, we can come in here and we can sing, this is my story and this is my song. And we can talk about, I ran out of that grave. But listen, if it doesn't move you to do something with it, what good is that testimony? Anyway, Jesus said, I'm going to your dinner house for dinner tonight. Zacchaeus, when Jesus came into his house, noticed there was a change of mind. Because the first thing that he said is, half of all that I have, I'm giving to the poor. Half of all I have. This dude was rich. He said, I'm giving half of it away. And then he said, if I've defrauded, if I've stolen anything from any man, I'll repay not just what I've stolen, but I'll repay it fourfold. What does that tell me? That tells me there was a change in his thinking, a change in his mind that resulted in appropriate behavior. When Jesus comes into your life and you are positioned for the kingdom of God, there should be a change in your thinking. You shouldn't be thinking the same old stinking things again and again and again and again. The woe me, poor me, pity on me should be gone from your life because you're a child of God. You have everything you need for life and godliness. You are positioned for his divine nature to flow through your own. Somebody help me out this morning. It's time to recognize we change our thinking when we come to Jesus. And then last week I talked to you about the Shunammite woman. And her son died, but when her son died, she said to her husband, all is well, when he asked her what was wrong. When she found the prophet Elisha and he said, what's going on? She said, all is well. So first, our thinking changes when we understand our position. Secondly, our speech changes. Our mind changes, then let's put it this way. Our mind changes, you'll remember this better. Our mind changes, then our mouth changes. Come on, our mind changes, then our mouth changes. She said, my son is dead, but when her husband asked what was wrong, she said, all is well. All is well. Because her hope was not in that circumstance. Her grief and her sorrow was not in that circumstance. Her hope was in the Lord God of Elisha, who had brought that child to her to begin with, who had given her a promise, and she believed God would honor his promise. We need to understand, folks, that when we are positioned, For life and godliness, our mouth changes. Our speech changes. We change the way we talk. Some of the words that we used to use fall away. Oh, I love the way you're shouting now. I know that preacher just meddling right now, isn't he? He shouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. He ought to leave us alone. I'm here to tell you that your mouth had better change when you know Jesus. If it doesn't, you need to do an internal check. Something's wrong. So I've got to tell you, I don't talk the way I used to talk. I don't even talk the way I used to talk last year. Why? Because every day we are walking with him. We are progressively growing closer to him. We are receiving a greater revelation of who he is and what he wants to do in our life. As a result, every day we're becoming more like him and that old stuff falls away. That's pretty good stuff. So our mind changes according to the story of Zacchaeus, then our mouth changes according to the story of the Shunammite woman. Now today I want to talk to you about another Old Testament character by the name of Joshua. And Joshua's behavior changed. 
I want you to notice that he didn't have a problem with his mind. He believed they were all able to do it. He didn't have a problem with his mouth. He confessed the right thing. But it took him 40 years to see a behavioral change that would bring victory in his life. And through that time, he never gave up. He never gave in. When we understand we're positioned by God, then we understand God puts in us everything we need for life and godliness. We have exceeding great and precious promises which will see us through this life into eternity. So when I look at the life of Joshua, there's several things I observe. Number one, because he understood he was positioned, even though he had to wait 40 years to cross the Jordan River and take the promise of God. 40 years! How many of us give up after 40 minutes? I'm serious. God, you said it. Why haven't you done it yet? I give up. I must not have heard you. 40 years he waited. 40 years he followed those Israelites, actually led those Israelites through the wilderness. 40 years putting up with their whining, moaning, groaning, complaining. And we can't handle it for 40 minutes. Listen, some of us say, well, if that doesn't change, I'm out of here. Well, why don't you pray it through, dig your heels in the ground and say, God has planted me here and I'm not going to run. The devil wants you to give up. The devil wants you to believe God's promise is not true in and over your life. He wants you to believe it's never going to come to pass. We got two girls that need to come back to the Lord. I'm not giving up on them. I'm looking forward to the day and calling it into existence when they bow their knee to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and receive him and accept him and all that he's done for them. Come on, somebody. 40 years. And we can't even make it 40 minutes. 40 years he believed God. When we understand we're in that position, then we can be courageous. Do you know the church needs some people with courage? We've had enough milk toast preachers. We've had enough believers who welt in the first sign of opposition. God in this day and in this age is raising warriors. God is raising men and women who will be men and women of faith who will spit in the eye of the devil and say, I dare you to accuse me in the name of my living God. Men and women who are not afraid to stand between eternity and other individuals and believe God for great things. Men and women of courage. I see it happening all around us in this place, men and women of courage. I see God raising you up and filling you with Holy Ghost power. I see the Word taking effect in your life. I see changes occurring on a regular basis. Do you know what that does? That excites me. You know what that does? That lets me know if it takes 40 years, I can stand. Because God's doing a work in somebody's heart and in somebody's life. When Joshua began his career, when they came out of Egypt and Moses sent out the 12 spies, Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report, but they were the only two. They believed God. They were courageous. The other 10 were afraid. They were fearful. They operated under the spirit of fear. Do you understand that 365 times in the scripture, the word says, fear not, fear not. Fear not. Do you understand? Fear is your greatest enemy. Fear immobilizes you. Fear paralyzes you. Fear keeps you from believing the promises of God. Fear keeps you exactly where you're at through your entire life. But Joshua was courageous. 
Matter of fact, you can read it in Joshua chapter 1. When the mantle transferred from Moses to Joshua, three times in Joshua chapter 1, not Moses, but God said, be strong and courageous. Be courageous and fear not. Look at verse 9 of Joshua chapter 1. Put it on the screen. God said, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is your strength wherever you go. The Lord is with you wherever you go. Can you get that concept in your mind? Can you understand that when you leave this place this morning, when we leave this cocoon of spirituality, when we leave this safe place, we're going out into an angry, nasty, mean world. Matter of fact, we were talking Wednesday night. If you don't come on Wednesday night, shame on you. You need to be here. I'm teaching the book of Revelation, and it's good stuff. Youth meet. There's all kinds of kids' ministries. You need to be here on Wednesday night. That's my plug also. Doug Apple, right back in the back, is teaching new beginnings. If you're new to the church or new to the faith, you need to be in that class on Wednesday night. So Wednesday night, we were talking about Revelation chapter 3, the church of Philadelphia, and how they stood firm in the face of evil. And how that there is language in that text in the Greek that lets us know that Jesus Christ is coming again. His return is imminent and we must be ready. And when we read the scripture, it makes it very clear that he doesn't intend for his positioned people to go through the tribulation. So I made it very clear to him, you know, you guys think you want to stay here through that period of time? God bless you. I'm gone. Amen. I'm not sticking around. Oh, it's so good here. Are you kidding me? The world's going to hell in a handbasket. It's not good here. It's horrible in this life. We've got something better to look forward to. We have a soon coming king. We need to celebrate and rejoice and look for and welcome and say, Jesus, come quickly in my life. How to get off on that? I don't know, but it must have been good. Be courageous. Be courageous. We are afraid to be living witnesses and testimonies. We're afraid to do what God has called us to do. Joshua showed his courage over the years of his leadership in a number of ways. First, he had to take Moses' place. Those are pretty big shoes to fill. I mean, Moses is the guy that killed an Egyptian, went 40 years to the backside of the desert, met God in a burning bush, Had to go back to Egypt and confront the Pharaoh. The ten plagues came through Moses' word. And then finally, he led them out of Egypt towards the promised land. But when they got to the promised land, there was too much fear in the camp and they wouldn't cross over. So for another 40 years, he led them in the wilderness. Big shoes to fill. But God said to him, be strong and courageous. Each one of us had mountains to climb. Your mountains are different than mine. Your challenges are different than mine. But every one of us face things that every day requires us to be courageous. Requires us to stand firm. Requires us to say, it is well. Requires us to have a change in our thinking. Requires us to allow the Spirit of God to do something deep on the inside of us that enables us to live a life that is different from those around us in the world. Every one of us have mountains to climb. 
Yours are different from mine. I don't climb yours. You don't climb mine. But the great thing about God is every promise he has spoken is true. And when he said, I gave you that mountain, he will give you that mountain if you keep walking. If you keep marching. If you have courage. Kind of reminds me when Joshua took the place of Moses, it's like, and all you FSU fans are going to love this. When Jimbo Fisher took Bobby Bowden's place, big shoes to fill, right? And now he went to A&M and he deserted all of you. Isn't that terrible? That's horrible. I just don't understand that stuff. Aren't you glad college football doesn't determine our eternity? Aren't you glad college football, and I'm saying this because it starts in a couple of weeks, doesn't determine our victory, our peace, our joy. Oh, sure, I'm a fan too, and I love it when the Sooners win. But when they lose, you know what? I brush it off and go on because it's just a boys playing football, and it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. Somebody say amen. amen. Unless you're betting on it, and if you are, shame on you. I hope you lose. I hope you lose. Hey, I like those apples. Through much of Joshua's ministry, he led alone. Think about it. When they went to the promised land, it was only he and Caleb who brought back a positive report. He had to learn to stand by himself. Some of you in this room need to learn to stand by yourself. You've been dependent on mama, on grandma, on your brother, on your spouse, on your pastor. It's time to learn to stand by yourself. That's what this series is all about. Understanding I am positioned by God to receive everything I need for life and godliness. And every promise he has given is for me. I can claim them. I can receive them. I can stand in them. You know what? You don't need me to pray for you. If you're a born again child of the living God, pray for yourself. And let God do something great in your life. Quit being spoon-fed babies. Stand up and let God do something great in you. And then you can testify, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has accomplished in my life. Joshua also faced opposition. When he crossed over the Jordan River, the first battle was Jericho, a huge fortified walled city that had never been conquered, and he didn't have an army that was trained and able. But God gave him a plan, and through God's plan, they conquered that city. It went on and on and on, war after war after war. Do you understand that for five years, all Joshua did was fight? And we get tired of fighting after five minutes. Listen, folks, you're in a fight, you're in a battle. There's a very real enemy whose name is Satan, who desires to destroy you, to kill you, to put you under. But I've got news for you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I've got news for you. You are more than a conqueror through him that loves you. I've got news for you. Your foe is defeated. His fate is sealed. He's damned to hell because Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead. Oh, somebody understand I'm in a battle, but it's... It's already won. I'm in a fight, but the blood's already. Oh, I'm in a fight, but the blood's already been shed. It was spilled on Calvary's hill, so that today I can stand where God has put me, and I can say I'm victorious. I'm a conqueror. I'm a champion. I'm on top because Jesus has already defeated the enemy. Hallelujah! Make that a clip, will you, Jessica? 
We need to understand where we're at in God. What God's done for us. Joshua fought for five years. Matter of fact, you can read it. It says in Joshua 11 verses 4 through 6, you can read the first three verses. Essentially, armies from every direction, kings from every direction came against him. From the north, the south, the east, and the west. They formed a coalition with one aim, and that's to wipe out the Israelites. Kill them, destroy them, don't let them take our land. Bible says, and I'm reading from the message, Joshua 11, 4 through 6, they came out in full force. All their troops were massed together, a huge army. In number like sand on an ocean beach, to say nothing of all the horses and chariots. All these kings met and set up camp together in the waters of Merim, ready to fight against Israel. And God said to Joshua, or somebody hear me, God's saying to you, you don't need to worry about it. I've already handed them over to you. You don't need to worry about the battle is already won. You don't need to worry about it. I'm in control. Oh, think about it. Surrounded by kings from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Bent on destruction. Annihilation of the nation of Israel. Complete wipeout of the Jewish people. That was their plan. And God said to Joshua, don't worry about them. This time tomorrow, I'm handing them over to Israel all dead. You'll hamstring their horses and you'll set fire to the chariots. Somebody get that in your spirit today. God is saying to you, I'm handing the enemy over. You're already victorious. You're not going to have a fight. When you find them, they're all dead. The battle is won. The victory is yours. Oh, come on, somebody. You are positioned to be courageous. You are positioned. So when opposition comes into your life, you don't fold. When the devil gets in your face, you don't flee. You understand that you have that flee or fight response in you to danger. And the enemy is a dangerous dude. Believe it. But when you understand your position and you're full of the Holy Ghost, then you understand by the word of the Lamb and by my testimony, by his blood and by my testimony, I'm going to stand where I've been positioned and the devil will fall at my feet. Come on. Understand it. That's the promise of God. Quit living some mealy-mouthed Christian life that has no power, that has no victory, that says nothing to the world that's positive or good. They think all you do is dry point and complain, and you're a believer. Change your mind, change your mouth, and change your behavior. And let God do something powerful in you and through you as you position, as He positions you for great victory. They came out in full force, but God said, I don't worry about them. I'm going to give them to you. And when I give them to you, they'll all be dead. Do you understand that in Genesis chapter 3, God said to that snake that tempted Adam and Eve, who was Satan, you have bruised the heel of the one who is coming. Oh, come on, folks. But the one who is coming... He's going to bruise your head. He's going to step on your head. He's going to defeat you. Oh, somebody in this room this morning, let courage well up in your soul. Don't run from the devil. Don't run from the conflict. Run towards it and let God do something in you. He'll deliver them all to you dead. If you're going to be successful in this walk, 
It'll be necessary for you to understand your position in Jesus. I'm not going to get through this entire outline this morning, so forgive me, but this is where God's parked us, where we're going to stay. Some of you need courage. Some of you are cowards, spiritual cowards. It's time to let that spirit die. Paul said to Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear. Do you understand that's revelational? That opens your eyes. Fear is a spirit. It doesn't come from God because Paul said God didn't give it to you. God has not given you the spirit of fear. But what has God given you? God's given you the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit who brings to you power, love, and a sound mind. Oh, come on. What do you want to be dominated by? A spirit of fear which comes from the enemy. Or by the Holy Spirit of the living God who gives you power, love, and a sound mind. I had a neighbor when I was growing up out in western Oklahoma. He was several years older than I was. All-state football player recruited by Oklahoma. Signed a full-ride scholarship to play football at the University of Oklahoma. And then the summer between his senior year and starting school at Norman, he and a bunch of his buddies were down on the North Canadian River. And the North Canadian is a river that has a sand bottom, so when the rains come, it moves that bottom. And the depth changes all the time. There was one particular place where there was about a 10-foot cliff. You could dive off down into the deep water. It was a great swimming hole. Terry had been there time and time again. He grew up there. He knew that swimming hole very well. What he didn't realize, the sands had shifted the bottom. So without checking the depth, he simply dived off head first and found that he met water only two foot deep and his head hit that sand. Paralyzed him from the waist down. A football player with a great future, paralyzed from the waist down. He went through all the rehab, all the therapy, got to the point that he could handle himself in a wheelchair, enrolled in OU, not on a full-ride scholarship, paying his own way. Went ahead and graduated, got his master's degree, and then his doctorate in social work. And he devoted his life to helping people who were in need and less fortunate. He just died a couple of years ago. But I remember him telling the story that probably 15 years after he was paralyzed, someone said to him, Terry, does the devil ever come to you? Does he ever say, if God was so good, then why did he allow you to break your neck? If God was so good, then why are you in the position you're in today? And he said, I told him, yes, the devil often whispers that stuff in my ear. I hear it all the time. He said, well, what do you do when he whispers that in your ear? He said, I simply take him to Calvary and I show him the wounds of my Savior. I show him the stripes on his back. I show him the beard plucked out of his face. I show him the crown plunged upon his head. I show him the nail scars in his hands and his feet. I show him the sword wound was thrust through his side. He said, and every time I take that old liar to Calvary, he runs, he flees, because the devil doesn't have an answer for the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, folks. When he comes at you, take him to Calvary. Show him the blood. Remind him what God has done. Stand in courage and be victorious. Understanding that God has done that for you. You want to know somebody else who had courage in the midst of trial? 
Second Corinthians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul wrote these words, verses 4 through 6, again from the message. Our work as God's servants gets validated or not. Validated or not in the details. People are watching us as we stay at our post. Somebody needs to hear that. People are watching you as you stay at your post. They're seeing how you handle that adversity. They're seeing how you handle that diagnosis. They're watching to see what you're going to do with that job loss. They're watching you to see how you handle that rebellious teen. They're watching you when the spouse walks out the door and never comes back. They're watching you when there's financial loss in your family. They're watching you when a child or a grandchild passes away unexpectedly. They're watching you when tragedy visits your life. Paul said they're watching us. They're watching us as we stay at our post alertly and unswervingly in hard times, in tough times, in bad times. Then he said, when we were beaten up, he's talking about himself. When I was beaten up, he said, jailed, mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating, with pure hand, clear head, steady hand, in gentleness, holiness, and love. Hear me. He's saying, I went through a lot of things for one reason. I've been positioned by Christ in God to take this message to the Gentile world. And they don't like it. They've beaten me. They've jailed me. They've mobbed me. They've stoned me. I've shipwrecked and been in the sea a night and a day. I was bit by a poisonous viper, but I shook him off into the fire. Oh, somebody hear what I'm saying. We need to learn to stand where God has positioned us. Quit running every time there are problems and trials and temptations and tests that come into your life. Be courageous. Be courageous. Tom, come back. Be courageous. I'm looking for some men and women of courage this morning. I'm looking for some men and women who will say, we don't like what's going on out there. And we're going to man our post. We're going to stay alert. We're going to stay positioned. We're going to let the Spirit of God flow through us to make a difference in what's happening out there. Do you understand the Democrats and the Republicans aren't going to make a difference? It's a political machine. It really doesn't matter. They're not going to make a difference. They've already made the backroom deals. They've already shook hands. They've already taken the money they're going to take. It doesn't make a difference. What makes a difference is when we stop relying on Democrats and Republicans and we start relying on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. When we understand our God reigns, when we understand our God sets up kings and our God takes them down, when we understand we have been positioned as a city set on the hill that light cannot be quenched and we're here to penetrate the darkness. That's what we need to understand in our lives today. God is looking for men and women of courage. And he's able to do, listen, he's able to do everything he promised you he would do. Because he has given to us exceeding great and precious promises. Great and precious promises. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Across this room this morning, you're here. You've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've never asked Jesus to come into your heart to forgive your sins, to change your life. Can I tell you, in this life you have no help if you don't have Jesus. You have no hope if you don't have Jesus. 
You're going to go from shipwreck to shipwreck without Jesus. But can I tell you, with Jesus, you'll never be alone again. He'll never forsake you. In the darkest days, His light will shine brightly in your life. He will show you the pathway to walk. He will teach you the ways of God. He will give you everything you need for life and godliness by His great and precious promises. And the greatest promise He ever gave us was, Whosoever confesses his sin, I will come into his heart and his life. I will receive him and accept him. Jesus said in Luke 19 at the household of Zacchaeus, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. He's looking for you this morning. He's looking to change your life. You're here today. You say, Steve, that's me. I need some help. I need some hope. I need Jesus in my life. I need to be forgiven. I need my life changed. That's you, right where you sit. Slip up your hand and say, pray for me. That's me. Yes, someone else. Yes, others. As a wait a moment. That's me. I need Jesus in my life. As a wait a moment. Slip up your hand and hold it there. Someone else. God's talking to you. Yes. Anyone else you want to join these that just raised their hands? Stand your feet with me. Those of you who raised your hands, stand. Stand right where you're at. And then I want you to step out and come. You're going to need courage today. Step out and come. I'm going to pray with you right down here. Others are going to pray with you. If you raise your hand, I want you to step out and meet me right here in this altar. And God's going to do a work in your life. God's going to change you, transform you. God's going to make salvation yours this morning. Forgiveness yours. Come on, don't wait on anybody else. Come on. You slipped up your hand. Come on. Don't wait on anybody else. Join these who are responding. Anyone else? Anyone else? All right. Pastor Daniel, Yvonne, step up here. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a Savior. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life. I ask you to forgive my sins. I ask you to change my heart. I ask you to make me a child of God. I confess you as my Lord. I receive you as my Savior. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Change me. And make me a child of the living God today. Change my thinking. Change my mouth. Change my behavior. Do a work on the inside that shows on the outside. Change me, Father. Change me by the blood and by the power of Jesus Christ. Do your work in and through their lives today, I pray in Jesus' name. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church... We invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, 
chctoday.com.